0: Life is just a golly, friends. La da dee ta da ta, da Yes, sir, me. I'd like to salute the faculty and the teachers out at the Northern Regional High School in Jersey. There, I just received an official mimeographed announcement that the faculty and the PTA. Are combining on a production that they're going to do for the uh, parent teachers' night. Apparently, they have a big parent teachers' night over there. And uh, I'm invited to it, by the way. The uh, faculty and the parents are going to do a uh, production of O Calcutta, which uh, should be very good. And uh, nobody heard in the control room. They're looking the other way, but uh, I think that should be very good. The, the PTA over at the Northern Regional with the uh, faculty. They're doing old Calcutta as a class project over there. And uh, I knew you didn't hear it, see? You faked it in there, all you guys. And I think uh, we all ought to go over there. In fact, we ought to get the uh, TV rights for that. Amateur production can even be more fun than, uh, you know, the professional type because the lighting is different and a lot of other things, you know. So uh, would you please bring me my Hogan Twanger in there? Yeah, that's the, the long one The on the other side. That we have with them. That's it, uh, We'd like to that's it, we want to salute, if we may, at this juncture here tonight, uh, you know, following the Mets' unexpected and totally passionate victory, we would uh, like to salute the, uh, well, something that isn't often saluted on this mass medium. We would like to salute the uh, basic beast in all of us. Would you please bring it up there? (laughs) You don't mind if I play my Hogan twanger here to this? Uh, very nice. It, uh, it kind of calms things down. I just feel a little bit better. Gotta get the, you know, you gotta get gotta get rid of, it, get rid of the pipes once in a while. Clean the ashes out. And uh, and oh, uh, incidentally, uh, uh, I uh, see that there's a uh, great quotation here. Not a quotation, actually. It's a editorial from one of the major European newspapers, to be exact. England is England in Europe? Do they consider themselves part of Europe, or is England always, forever England? <laughs> isn't an entity unto itself. It's blood, sweat, and tears. However, uh, this blessed isle... Hey, not bad, isn't it? I do that very well. This blessed That's race me. of men. That's not bad. Uh, and uh, I would like to say this. There's a little editorial at uh, one of the dons, I believe, at uh, Cambridge. He's angry. He says that uh, people have killed swear words by their constant use in plays and in books. They have emasculated them, which is kind of interesting considering, that the, you know, what the word emasculation means, what most swear words refer to, but uh, <laughs> nevertheless, it's an act, apt word. And he says that uh, he wants to see a revival. He says the four-letter words are now emasculated, and I agree with him. I mean, little 12-year-old girls are using them in their poems, you know, and that kills the whole idea, friends. It just kills it. I mean, just so dead, D E D and uh, he said that uh, that uh, what he would like to do is to see a revival and uh, a more general usage of the better three letter obscenities and uh, i agree with him there in fact i can only think of let's see one two three four four really choice three letter obscenities can you think uh, how many can you add any to the basic four Total obscenities that are three letters, or are you trying to think of the first four? <laughs> oh, I'm living with a whole crowd of innocents here, whole crowd. You know, uh, come on, come on, get 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 closer here, gang. Uh, no, 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 uh, get 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 uh, get get closer now. Now I'll give you the cue there, corny. You don't know, don't don't tip the gaff there, as my old buddy uh, Long John would say. Now I want you to gather around real close here. I want you to stand to the stand here, and I want you to keep a sharp eye on my hands. You watch these hands, and I'm going to move these walnut shells back and forth here. Now, I want want you to be able to tell me, I, I'm sure, look, you see this pea here, you can see it. I want you to be able to tell me just what walnut shell has the pea under it. Now, watch carefully. Move it to the left, move it. All right, now, for the one who can guess that, I will give him the chance to order some of this magnificent silver polish, which uh, not only doubles as a deodorant, it also is a magnificent detergent. And uh, so step right up now. Here we go. Here we're going to move them shells around. Now watch it. Or watch carefully. And keep your eye open. Here we go! <laughs> to say here was, uh, of course, uh, a lot of things, uh, but a lot of them I can't say. And by the way, speaking of, <laughs> speaking of obscenity, we'd like to report from uh, one of my favorite New Jersey towns, and uh, you know, you have your favorites. Uh, and I, I uh, did you ever get a, a, a attached to a bad tooth or something? You know, you get so that you kind of like it and you just keep running your tongue over it and all that. And uh, get kind of used to it. It gives you something to do. When you don't have anything to do, you sit there and you You know, you try to get the salary out from under it or something. (laughs) It gives you something to do. And uh, eventually you get it taken out and you get it filled and you miss it. You miss the hole in it. Well, that's the way I like New New Brunswick, New Jersey. Uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey. And uh, we have a little note here from uh, uh, the News Tribune of Perth Amboy, New Jersey. That's a beautiful town, Perth Amboy. And uh, it's, 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 you truly, it's, Perth Amboy is why they call New Jersey the garden state. It's just beautiful. And, uh, Perth Amboy, New Jersey, the News Tribune, they have a little note here by Sue Evans, who's a reporter there, and she reports on another development in the, the continuing fight of the individual to, uh, fight whatever it is he's fighting. (laughs) He can't figure it out, see? And uh, in this case, the fuzz. New Brunswick. Quote, I think if you can't express displeasure to a police officer, you're no longer in the United States of America, District Court Judge John E. Bachman said in overturning the conviction of a Woodbridge youth accused of using a four-letter Anglo-Saxon expression. Bachman found this guy innocent of using loud and offensive language and of failing to keep his car in the right lane on Route 35 in Madison Township last August. Although uh, this guy and his wife, Denied using the word, Bachman said he believed. New Jersey State Trooper Leonard Lujak, who made the twin arrest, now, Trooper Lujak quoted the defendant as saying, and we quote in true Jersey uh, forward uh, pungent talk, a true Jersey native expressing himself. He's hanging his head out the window, seeing the cop comes up, and he says, Oh, look, where do you think you're going, you know? whoo! The U light is flashing, and the guy's on Route 35, which is one of the magnificent routes in Jersey, and he sticks his head out the window and he says, What the blank is wrong with you people? He hollered at the cop. However, he was hollering because he was stopped for the second time at the same cop in a five-mile stretch of the highway. <laughs> but the judge said that even if the youth... Isn't it interesting how everybody's called a youth? He's got his wife with him. Everybody, he says, uh, he said even if the youth did use this word, he had violated no law. Quote, certainly the word involved here is not one that I want my children to hear, but it is one that I have heard, and I do quite frequently hear in conversation. In this day and age, the judge said, an ex-marine, the judge went on, he said, in the armed forces, the word has become an expletive, and its use generally in mail circulation is very high. I wonder what word he's talking about. Gosh darn it. That's uh, Maybe that's it. Or a fiddle sticks. According to Attorney Uh, Harold A. Cuskin, who was counsel for this guy, and assistant prosecutor uh, Peter A. DeSino, uh, Judge Bachman remarked, I don't think I would shock either of you guys, either one of you, if I heard it used at the bar at meetings. I think both of you have, too. I've heard it in the corridors of this courthouse, on both sides of the courthouse, used as an expletive. Say, that's a racy court over there. (laughs) <laughs> <And I'm> fr- <laughs> frankly, I mean, frankly, haven't heard it used in the court. He says, I don't find anything wrong in any driver of any motor vehicle that's been stopped twice in five miles being upset and expressing displeasure to the police officer who has stopped him. This is the judge. I don't think this man was doing anything more than expressing his displeasure. Dump, da-dump, dump. Well, things are changing. And <laughs> I mean, when you could say groovy stuff like that to the cops, what next? You know? You know, I mean, and then the judge gets on the cop for complaining about it. But, uh, so, yeah, I, I'm not putting it down. I'm just putting it down. Now, what word am I using? Well, if you're interested, we'll send it to you. By the way, uh, uh, a lot of things are happening everywhere. It's groovy, a lot of great stuff. For example, uh, uh, you know, some some things, uh, speaking of obscenities, because obscenities are creeping everywhere. Uh, the word has almost lost its meaning. Obscenities. Oh, no, 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 no. what kind of a mind have you got? I, there was no connection there. Oh, George, no, this is an honest, upright, sober, industrious, sound, basic bulwark of of the uh, community, radio station here. We're very deeply concerned over each and every one of you. Uh, Incidentally, the latest uh, victim of uh, repression on the Cornell campus is not the student body, as coerced by the administration. This, by the way, from the Cornell University paper. I have spies everywhere, friends. Or even the ROTC is coerced by the SDS. The latest victim is... Uh, would you please give me some marching-type music? That's it. All right. Ah, uh, the, the the latest uh, uh, of the victims of coercion is the big red marching band. Da Oh, the big red marching marching band. Let's go together now. Oh, 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 oh that big red band. Oh. oh, oh. Oh, a cornell overlooking the lakes of Cuyahoga, let a feel. Oh, that big red marching band sure can wiggle, ba boo boo And it's laying it down out there on the field today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, went down. I was down. Down at St. James down and at James Infirmary. Ah. I saw Ah. My... Oh, ah, that's enough, that's enough. I want cut one, side one on that recording. And now, why was the... Uh, now, nobody seems to be curious about this. The Big Red Marching Band was uh, changed its show because it was called Obscene, <laughs> their show. <laughs> and I wonder where they got it. I've been doing this bit for years on the air. There must be somebody connected with the Big Red Marching Band who listens to the show. All right, you want to hear what happened? Uh, three members, this happened... Uh, at the Cornell-Rutgers football game in New Brunswick. New Brunswick is in the newsies. And uh, three members of the university's board of trustees happened to be at that game. And they found a segment of the band's show particularly irritating and obscene and objectionable. All three protested in writing to the president of the university. And uh, why it is? Well, it's just a disputed version of the show happened when the band assumed the formation of a gigantic hypodermic needle. You remember that? I've done that on the show. You remember that, Corny? You were down at the, the limelight when I did that. Well, and I even suggested one day that bands were going to do wild stuff. You know, and they're going to really... They're going to stop this business making a big block C, you know, marching around or making a locomotive, <laughs> with the smoke coming out of the chimney. And they're going to make some real, real stuff, see? And anyway... This disputed portion came when the band marching and playing. And usually, of course, these bands, they don't play marches anymore. They're usually playing stuff like, uh, you know, the, 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 the theme music to uh, a Gypsy Rose Lee uh, retrospective. Uh, it's all showbiz now, see? So the band starts marching around there and they make this big hypodermic needle. And then, the, uh, according to the script, right over the PA system, the relatively simple problems, and now the big red band. You know how they. And now the big red band. Well, salute uh, Cornell's Gannett clinic, which treats uh, accidents and good shots to the students. And they make this big hypodermic needle. However, the script didn't stop there. It went on to say, "Now get ready in there, corny. Watch me carefully, man. It went on to say. Uh, Cornell's doctors have the a clinic at the University of- and must now deal with the more complex issues of prescribing contraceptives for women. With that, the band broke into. <laughs> with that, they played I Got Rhythm. Oh, yeah, yeah. little juice are easy, okay? All right. You like that, huh? Well, that's my new juice harp. i got some groovy ones, man. Speaking of juice harps, you want to hear my new juice harps? These are brand new ones. And uh, these were brought to me by a friend from Europe. And these are very rare, handmade, Austrian-type juice harps. And I will play them seriously tomorrow. uh, You want to hear the different sounds? This is an Austrian juice harp, a good one, handmade. Boy, listen to that. Boy, oh, that's a beauty, isn't it? Now here's another one uh, of a very different type, and it's also Austrian. But listen to the difference in tone. You'll hear this one, uh, Corny, with her. <laughs> Now, the larger one, also an austrian Jew's harp. Listen to that sound. Oh, you like that one, huh? Oh, yeah, but it takes a man to play it, (laughs) wouldn't it? Oh, I can hardly wait to, you know, break these babies in. Uh, Speaking of uh, breaking them in here... I would like to salute. You know, there's a lot going on in colleges you know, with the bands going out there marching around. And uh, did you hear what happened uh, at Temple? I'd like to salute Temple here. Underdog Ralph M. Hintle has done it. This is the Inquirer, the Philadelphia Inquirer, one of the great humor papers in America. And uh, it's, uh, i like to salute Philadelphia out there. It says, uh, Underdog Ralph M. Hintle has done it. This is by Al Haas of the Enquirer staff. On Monday, he was elected Temple University's big man on campus, BMOC, beating out candidates from 1,200 fraternities. In winning the annual contest, Hintel not only scored a decisive and uh, complete upset, he made campus history. Hintel, whose name means dog in Yiddish, is a dog, an 8-year-old mongrel, won the BMOC title. Hintel belongs to Alpha Cairo fraternity. He's been a frat house resident ever since his recruitment as a pup from the SPCA. He was entered, and uh, 12 guys ran from this for the whole thing, see? And the old people took it to, to, you know, took all the marbles. But this is nothing new with Temple. And by the way, he won handily uh, also. It's <laughs> because he did very good. And uh, you had to vote for him by dropping money in a can. I mean, you couldn't just go out and vote. You had to, and he won uh, $115 worth of votes. So, you know, he must be a pretty good mutt. And uh, the student body... Earlier this month, elected Margot France, their homecoming queen. Margot, a 19-year-old sophomore, is really Mark France. Eh, sort of. But that, nevertheless, old Margot won, and Hintle won the VMOC, so things are going real good up there, Temple. (laughs) Now, that that reminds me, though, uh, you know, this business of uh, making bad uh, stuff. I shouldn't tell you this story, because uh, even now, the guilty are still walking around. And I don't want to involved the guilty in anything. Uh, would I, out there, you, guilty type? Anybody guilty out there tonight? Dump dump I mean, anybody? Sure, of course. We're all guilty. We're all guilty. And I feel the great terrible guilt of mankind's eternal sins, gnawing eternally at the, uh, at the internal internalisms of me, internally. And, uh, isn't that making sense, is it, to you? All right, let's stop from the start. We'll go from the start again. Would you please play the theme? Please play the theme there. We'll start from the start. All right. That, okay, new show. Let's start from the top. Didn't understand nothing I said. Ah, pearls before swine. Bring it up there. And now we bring it to Piggly hour. That's right. We're going to sit here and pearls before swine. come here. Wink, oink. Come on, Piggly. La-dee-da. Here's a pearl for you. Let's try that one. Let's uh, right, that's enough. That's enough, you know. confounded knave, fool and idiot. It won't be long before it's all going to happen. It's all going to happen, all of us. Don't you forget it. And I'm going to be right here laughing. <laughs> I mean, if the Mets can do it, so can the Astros. And you're going to cry, man. I mean, you're all in favor of an underdog winning if few- you're... Yeah. Remember that. Everybody's saying the underdog's going to do it, and one day the Astros are going to come to town. Oh, look out. Oh, look at that. My coffee cup sprung a leak. Nothing worse than these cheap coffee cups they've got around. Look at this. It's sickening. Get a rag, quick. Hurry up. Hurry up. Help. It's coming on me. Help. Help. Oh. Uh, here comes it. Oh, that's no rag. A couple of feet. That's going to just spread it, you idiot. What a klutz. They're putting paper all over the place here now. That's just spreading it all over the whole. That's all right. Go That was a nice try, but the... go ahead. Get out of here, will you? <laughs> nice try. Well, it's Friday night. You know how Friday night is. Tomorrow night there's going to be a. You know, I I I, I kind of miss baseball season already. Don't you, Corny? There's no. And and it's it's terrible now. You come into the station here, and the engineers have got nothing to watch. Uh, You know, the television sets are all turned off, and the engineers, for the first time in months, have been forced to listen to the programs that they're engineering. And, of course, this (laughs) causes a lot of problems here. And Oh, yes, everywhere you go. You know, it's funny. May I say one more thing about that meth thing and then forget it for a year? I mean, I'm not going to continue to... Have you noticed two things? So long, Keith, it'll be all right. right, You stick with the fish, man, and you'll start thinking good. All right, so long now. Have you noticed that... uh, That... uh, it's funny how all of a sudden political candidates have developed a fantastic interest in baseball. Isn't that interesting, and I just remember—it just seems like a short time ago they were all Joe Namath fans. <laughs> oh man, it's fascinating, isn't it? And and uh, and I—I uh, I saw one of the papers on the back. See, it shows this great big celebration in uh, you know in the in the Mets. Uh, the Mets dressing room It shows a big celebration. These guys are pouring champagne, and who's right there in the middle getting champagne poured on the top of his head, you know? Above it, it says, Lindsay and the Mets, do it! I don't know, that's a nice trick. That is a nice trick. <laughs> and I, I think that's okay, you know. It's all right. I mean, if he can get away with that, that flimpland, I don't mind that one. But uh, uh, on the other hand, uh, I, I notice, I notice uh, you know, you, you looked out of the window here at the station, and you could see this. The whole city had snow on it. It did. It really did. It was fantastic. And anybody who tells me that baseball is dead, well, I remember when the Jets won the championship, there wasn't anywhere near this kind of celebration. It was a little, uh, you know, a little yelling down two Shores, and, uh, you know, a couple of guys in Madison Avenue joints, you know, where Joe hangs around. It was a big deal. But I didn't, I didn't see people, you know, throwing paper out of the windows. Why, in fact, they threw three secretaries out of the secretary pool. They couldn't find anything to throw. And so uh, one building right down the street just threw three secretaries out in the street, forty-two floors. You know, well they had a lot of them hanging around the pool there, and there were you know, half of them couldn't type anyway. And uh, so <laughs> out the window they went. See, well uh, I thought this was kind of exciting, and uh, and I I I, uh, I wonder whether of course uh, Milt Gross is going to be writing uh, next August. Baseball is dead when the Mets are in eighth place. You know, <laughs> baseball's dead again. Thump thump thump. Well six and one half does the other, but one time I'm in this band, see, and I'm, I'm reminded of this thing. One day we're out practicing. You know, may it may never occur to you, but bands practice fanatically. I mean they're maniacal practicers. You don't make a hypodermic needle right in the middle of a football game without practicing, you know. And everybody's gotta know where he's gonna go and and it's all got to be done with a beat, see, <laughs> And uh, you you march and you you make your uh, eight steps this way and you turn left and you take three more steps brum, 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 brum. and then you turn right brum, brum, brum. you do a right pivot brum, brum. and the big horn is there and the wind is blowing and so you do all this stuff it gets kind of exciting you get involved in it most people don't think in terms of watching the halftime band uh, celebration in terms of how it feels to be in the band you know and they're throwing everything they got at it well actually most bands feel that the football game really is a is a medium for the band show. That, uh, that the big moment is, of course, the show, the band, when you come marching out. Of course, this is called centralism. We all have a little of it inside of our gut. And, and you ask any football player on the team, on the field, what is the most important position? And it's a fantastic coincidence. Almost all of them will name their position. Uh, yes, it's very important. The coach thinks that uh, no football team will win out a good coach. And uh, the trainer says, uh, you know, I'll tell you, I remember I was talking to Spike McBullet, used to be coach on Alabama. And he said that uh, that uh, he credits his ball club with maybe four or five wins a year because of the coach alone. So we used the Sloan liniment, you know. If you don't use Sloan's liniment right, you know, you get it in guys' eyes. Or someone had They drink it. I remember one time as a halfback, used to drink that Sloan's liniment. Never did get a football game. Well, I, I fixed that. You know, I used to lock up the Sloan's liniment, and by God, they started to win. Now, who won that game? Was it the halfback or the coach? I say it's the coach. And and, and after the coach comes the, comes the trainer. Well, now, you ask... Uh, you ask big uh, Klutz McGonagall, All-American center, uh, what's the key position on the team? And Klutz, uh, if he's in one of his more articulate moments, uh, Klutz, you say, Klutz, uh, uh, what is the most important position on the team? We, we, you mean? Well, what uh, position uh, do you think is a key position on the ball club uh, in winning the games, Klutz? Key, what's key me. Well, uh, what's the most important position, uh, Klutz? Uh, you put me on. Well, no, Klutz, I'm not putting you on. I don't believe that. So don't don't, don't think that. Uh, what is the most important position on the team, is all I'm asking for all of our listeners uh, watching the wide, wide world of sports. The, or a center. If the don't hand up the quarterback the ball good, uh, what will happen? They can win no game. I push them over. Well, Cinder got to hand the ball back. And uh, he got the ball, and, uh, and the quarterback, all of them things, and I hand him the ball. And if I don't hand the ball, what happens? They fumble, and then we lose the game, right? So you you know what uh, position is the right one. That's Cinder, hitting you in the mouth. It's my guy. Well, Al, thank you, uh, Clutch an All-American candidate, and uh, also he holds uh, an MA in, the, in psychological engineering, and uh, he's uh, going to go on into the pro ranks very shortly. Very good. And thank you very much, Klutz McGungle. Thank you. And now we return you to Jim Jim, who is going to take you to Garmisch-Partenkirchen for the ladies' backward, bottomless, ski-jumping and barrel-rolling championship. Come in, Jim Jim. Well, now, that's a typical, um, (laughs) you know, moment in sports. Now, if you ask the average band member, he will tell you that the most important thing in the afternoon is when they made that big block L or D or Q. Or the, or you know, the big, they always, uh, you know, they're with the, with the, with the uh, big moving uh, locomotive with the smoke and uh, all that. Well, one day, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, one day I was with the band. Uh, there was a splinter element. I, I in, every, in every organization, I don't care whether, and no matter what organization, is, Supreme Court, there are two or three wise guys you will find. Now, they may not look like wise guys. They all sit there with their robes. Look very official, these guys sitting up there. Well, I can guarantee you, out of that nine guys, there's two of them that are, you know, wise guys among the other. Yeah, there's always a splinter group in every group of men. Have you, haven't you found this true? I mean, uh, and so in the band, now, when you sit up there and you watch the band, you think the band is uh, just a large number of guys who, uh, who uh, you know, they're out there, the old victory song, and the, uh, you know, purple victory, and ta and they do their annual salute to a Rodgers and Hammerstein or something. Oh, no. There is a splinter group within every band. And I, unfortunately, due to my makeup, I've been... Listen, I was the first guy in my class to laugh out loud at the Reader's Digest. I don't know why. I just found it very funny. You know, the article that says, I discovered true life and total happiness when they told me that I had leukemia. You know, those, those articles. Yeah, that's just a typical reader's digest. Or, in spite of being a two-and-a-half-foot high measured, I won the high jump at the Olympics due to positive thinking. Thank God for Dr. Peel. Oh. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Well, I, I, I just was that way. I wish I was more... I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I wish I was a believer. I, I, I do in a lot of things. I mean, for example, the, most guys who think they're not believers are really believers because the one thing they believe totally is themselves. Every iconoclast that I know that works, you know, working iconoclast, like uh, I, I was with Marzali the other day. He thinks that he doesn't believe in anything. No, don't you believe it. He believes that he's the greatest talent, believe me, since St. Peter. <laughs> I mean, he does. And, uh, so, so you're not really an iconoclast. A true iconoclast is the guy, he'll laugh at himself first. And then take on all, all the rest. Well, of course, he'll never get a good agent. Because uh, <laughs> he'll wind up laughing at the agent. So, uh, nevertheless, I'm, I'm uh, sitting in class there, seeing we go out one one afternoon. It was a Friday night to see our, our football games. We used to When the band. I was in the band in my freshman year. And we used to we used to play our freshman football games. I was in the freshman football team. We would play our freshman games in the afternoon. And then we would march at the varsity uh, that night, you know. So uh, I'm out there one afternoon. It's a cold, brisk afternoon fall like this. And uh, the band is out there making our block letters, and we're making the locomotives, and the the, uh, cheerleaders are out at the other end of the field, and they're doing their bit, and the rain is coming down. And I'm sitting with with a guy named Snuffy. I've never discussed Snuffy, have I? You know what Snuffy had? Snuffy was the best bass player I ever knew. And he looked like what everybody would think a good bass player should look like, a really good sousaphone player. He was fat and round. And he had this round face, and uh, Snuffy had a huge chest that just filled up his sousaphone. The thing, the thing, fit him snugly like a kid glove. You know, it was like he was born wearing his sousaphone. And old Snuffy would sit there, and he, he played his sousaphone with with uh, pizzazz, with a lamb. You know, he didn't just go boom 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 boom. Not at all. Snuffy would play his sousaphone. Well, you know how Paul Desmond plays the alto? He always sounds like he's putting everybody down. You listen to Desmond, he's got that put-down quality in it. Well, Snuffy was one of the very rare put-down sousaphonists. He could play the Stars and Stripes Forever. And we had a, there's a fantastic uh, sousaphone part of the star. You know, the boom, boom and I could sing it for you here. But Snuffy would play it so that Mr. Dirks, the band director, would give him a hard look. And he's playing every note. It's just the quality with which he played it. It was snide. It was like he was secretly cackling at the stars and stripes forever when he's playing. He was a very great sousaphone player. So Snuffy's sitting there with his feet up, and uh, we're waiting around for uh, the band director to come out. We had this guy who would direct our maneuvers, and he's sitting there, and it's raining slightly on his sousaphone. And one thing I remember about uh, about Fridays, uh, particularly, well, even Thursdays more so, was taking that damn sousaphone home, and, and cleaning it with bonami, <laughs> boy, there's enough to sit for about five hours and polish the belly of your sousaphone all the way down, and so you get this thing all polished, a beautiful man, and shining. And within five minutes, it starts to corrode, and you see the little fingerprints all over. But uh, here we are sitting in the rain, and this rain is coming down. Snuffy's sitting there with his sousaphone, and with him is uh, Roger Bean Blossom, who was in the uh, trombone section, Billy Hartzel. Uh, by the way, played uh, the oboe, and there was a couple of guys that were in the drum section. were are all sitting there, and this is the splinter section. For about a half dozen. There was Bob Wagner who played the clarinet, and Snuffy says, "Hey, listen, you guys." And with that, Roger Bean Blossom who played the, who played the trombone. Rod says, uh, "What do you want?" And it's not a great Indiana name, Roger Bean Blossom. So he said, "What do you want?" And Snuffy says, "Let's do some maneuvers." And he's got his horn. At the uh, and Rod says, what? what do you mean, maneuvers? He says, let's make some groovy stuff like they'd never make in the band. He says, let's make our own for a while while we're waiting. And all the rest of the, the you know, the, the uh, Reader's Digest type band members are sitting down at the other end of the field with the, you know, the straight-thinking guys. So, <laughs> yeah, the, you know what I mean. And so Rod says, what do you got in mind, Snuffy? And Snuffy says, well, uh, what do you think most that you would never see the band form? When they brought the a whistle. And uh, we formed something there. What do you think would cause the most riots in the stand? And Rod says, oh, come on, we don't have enough guys to form nothing like that. He says, what do you mean? we got a couple of other guys. We, they, don't, they don't know what they're forming. We just tell them where to march. So we called over about a half dozen other guys. Hey, come on, we're going to try something, you guys. So they fell in, innocent ones. See, there's always innocent guys that get pulled in on every plot. Every plot. And so Snuffy, who was this really smart guy and a real snide character, so Snuffy says, all right, I'll tell you guys what you do. When Raj gives the signal, he says, Roger will blow the uh, signal. Well, you guys, in columns of threes, in which you march this way and you go this way, and he says, you go over there, Fred, and over, over there, Bob, and Harry, and all that. And he says, uh, and Pete was the squarest of them all. Pete Kuiper, at the age of 17, was bald and he wore gray suits. I'm serious. Now, he, he, yes, he was, he was the, I'm, I'm telling you, at the, age of, at the age of 18 already, he was a senior member of the Junior Chamber of Commerce. And by the time he was 22, he was in the Senior Junior Chamber of Commerce, and uh, he was retired at 23. And he lives in an old people's home somewhere. But uh, he was that kind of guy, see? So he says, now, look, Pete, I want you to go that way. Pete is a conformist. He does what you tell him, see? And then he was in awe of Snuffy anyway, because Snuffy had won about nine gold medals playing that crummy sousaphone. So Snuffy was good, see? So Snuffy says, you go that way. And uh, here, Schwartz, and Schwartz was in the Houston He says, you stand up. But Schwartz was another innocent. I was in on it. So was Roger, Bean Blossom, and uh, and, uh, and Freddie Roller. We were the only three who knew what, what Snuffy was making. And so here we're out on the field, this this nice, bris, very brisk kind of a fall day. And... Uh, Roger gives a signal. He goes, quack, quack, on the, on the horn. And with that, Shaughnessy, we had a guy named Fred Shaughnessy who played that trap. He gives the beats. And we start marching out. And Snuffy is directing. He says, all right, a little bit to the left. Li- hey, uh, hey, come on, Bean Blossom. Pull over to the left. Um, uh, now dress it up over there. Come on, Kuiper, Pull over there. And we had marching down the field the most fantastic obscene signal you ever saw in your life. And you could see it, see, if you were far away, but if you were in the band, you couldn't tell what you were making. You could just see the guys all around you, you see. <laughs> and here we had marching right down the middle of the football field, this total obscenity. Well, well, you see, the school was right next to this field. And anybody who was up on the second floor or the third floor could look out, and guys used to look out and watch the band practice, and all of a sudden there's a big crowd watching the band, and they're looking out, You you hear guys yelling, and the band, <laughs> the Splinter Group, is marching along. <coughs> and they marched on the field, and Mr. who was the assistant band director, he came, somebody had called him up down in the band room and says, you ought to see what the sousaphone section is making out on the field now. And imagine, he says, yeah, they're making a block H. Block H, my foot, man, they're making a block you-know-what. He says, you better get out there quick, because every chick in the whole school was standing up on the third floor cheering this thing. It's unbelievable. Well, he came tearing out, and he couldn't see it. He's on, the, he's on, ground, on, on, on ground level, see? He comes running out, and he says, what are you guys making? What are you guys doing? What, what, what are you practicing? <laughs> of course, instantly we break up. And then there was that fantastic pregnant moment when Miss H. McCullough, who was the resident Blue Nose, she came running out on the field. She taught English. She had seen it. And she says, I have no idea what the young girls of the third group thought when they saw that awful thing on the field. And Mr. Wilson said, what awful thing? She says, it's terrible. Well, it was the first time that the band had gotten public acclaim. I mean, nobody cheered when we made block H's and locomotives. All of a sudden, every chick in the school was out there cheering what we made. And not only that, every other guy was, truck drivers were stopping and cheering, you know? Great moment. And Wilson turns and he says, what were you guys making? Snuffy says, well, I don't know. We just stopped practicing, doing marching. And that, Miss McCullough said, that's not true. You know what you were doing. Well, to boil it down to its basic components, 36 guys from the band were suspended for two weeks. We all had to bring notes from our mother saying we'll never make anything like that. That was very difficult to explain to my mother because she asked us what we made. And I said, well, we just made this thing out there. <laughs> and, the, the, and what was so sad, though, was Pete Kuyper, the squarest of the square, was thrown out of the band for two weeks because of incipient marching band obscenity, which he found very difficult to explain to his father. His father, who was born wearing... Wearing uh, Oxford gray jockey shorts, and never saw reason to change. And uh, but then again, uh, who knows? You know, it's, uh, it's all in the it's all in the eyes of the observer, friends. You shall see what you shall see. And uh, somewhere tonight, the big red band of Cornell. What is the name of the place? Cayuga's Waters. That Cornell hangs around there. I understand they're even more polluted than. Oh well, that's something else. I'm not here to. You know. <laughs> I'm not here to talk about one man's pollution. One man's pollution is just another man's garbage. So are his friends. So each man has to, you know, pick and choose out of this world. Do the best he can. And by the way, uh, over the weekend, why don't you try just hopping down on one foot once in a while? See where that gets it going. Uh, hang by your. Uh, oh, sharks, I forget. I mean, six at one happens. So bring it up there, big corny. Easy boy, easy there, easy boy. Oh, well, incidentally, for those of you who are band directors out there, and you'd be interested to know what we formed in our. Little band rehearsal. Uh, you must be over 21 and a bona fide, qualified art student. Uh, send your name and address to uh, John Philip Sousa in care of the station. That's John Philip Sousa. And you can spell Sousa anywhere you care to. It's all funny, no matter how it's spelled. Bring it. This coffee cup is leaking again. Uh, yeah. Almost unplugged, all the out there. Dolla Mosse Hooray! Hooray!